Hey folks, welcome to the second episode of the Full Swing Podcast. Today I've got Andrew Reigns with Apex Pro, and on this episode we talk about what Apex Pro is, his dad's GT40 they recently sold, alpha ownership, and the cars he's raced and owned. Hope you guys enjoy, on to the show. Guys, welcome to the second episode of the Full Sweep Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Darty, and on this episode, I've got Andrew Reigns. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, how's it going, Patrick? Oh, good, buddy. Just, uh, you know, itching to get on the racetrack here soon. Yeah, me too, man. I know it's, I think, we, I think we all are at this point. Everybody in this world's kind of like, you know, when I get to go back to the track. Yeah, I did see where NASCAR is, I think, essential in North Carolina. Hey, I, I'd agree with that. I would too. I think that's I think that's a great thing. Which you know, I mean, it's like a those guys are in a unique situation where they can probably go to the shop and work safely. You know, um, and I've seen too, like a bunch of a bunch of race teams have started building ventila- ventilators and uh, masks and stuff. So that's been pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's awesome. I was watching. Speaking of NASCAR today, I saw uh, NASCAR posted. And like did it on Facebook Live. A, uh, I think it was like the 2000 uh, Talladega race. It was the last race that Dale Senior won, and it was like a oh, total nice. barn burner of a finish. I watched the last like 20 minutes of it, uh, but it's it's definitely worth watching because it's it's like it, it's hard to imagine. It was only 20 years ago, but there's 170,000 people at Talladega, and the racing is just like neck and neck. They're not throwing any competition yellows. There's no stage racing. It's just like you know, NASCAR that I grew up with and I watched it and I like was really, I missed it. I was like, I want that back. I know. Well, like the tune of the cars was different too. Like they had this like different pitch to them that was just gnarly. I I think Dale Jr. uh, shared an old video clip and he's like, man, you know, these, these cars, they they were turned up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, the new cars are incredible too, but uh, it's always fun to see those. Those those older clips and I've been loving seeing like uh, WC's posted stuff. Um, you know, Formula One's been posting things like old eighties and ninety races, nineties races, and it's just so cool to see that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome when they when they repost you know those videos that are. I don't know. I, I watched a bunch of old IndyCar races that because I I didn't really realize how cool the cart you know IndyCar series was. Cause I was, I guess I was just really young when that was around, but those cars had crazy horsepower and huge downforce yeah. and they're really exciting. Yeah. I really enjoy watching them now too. I mean, they're so close, but yeah, back in the day, like the car, the cars were just a little bit different and I, I love like the street course stuff. It's so cool, oh, yeah. but we, we could go on and on about, about the old, old vintage <laughs> clips, but I want to hear what you're doing, man. Like what, what have you been up to? Because I know everybody's kind of had to pivot a little bit right now, and yeah. I know you guys have been doing some uh, some really cool stuff to keep keep people engaged and uh, and really take this time. I guess do some. Uh, you're doing some learning. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to trying to get learned up while we're uh, not able to go to the track. So the, you know, the, I mean, you have to ask yourself the question: what what value can you offer people while they're at home? And fortunately for us um, at Apex Pro we kind of have an educational focused platform anyway. Um, So pivoting to webinars um, has been pretty straightforward because we were already doing some webinars. 
So I'd actually already done a couple of um, a couple of webinars before the whole COVID situation kind of flared up. And so we, we basically just turned it in instead of it being in like a free educational model. We said, OK, we, we have less opportunities to sell our hardware and, um, and sell some of the features in our app now because people won't be using the product as much. So let's, um, you know, focus on the webinars and add more value there and charge for them. And uh, people have been really receptive to it. We've done some really good sales numbers with um, paid webinars. And I think conversely, I found that people get more value out of it when they pay for it. It's like a mental yeah. perceived value um, and, and it's worked really well. So I've been focused on that. Yeah. Nice, man. I got, I got to hop on one of those sometime. And, uh, cause you know, it's just, you know, I try to, I try to replay, you know, old clips or re- just, you know, do the whole visual thing, but man, it's always good to like hear a different perspective from somebody and it's, you know, it's whether it's, you know, coaching and, and, you know, someone drawing it out for you or, you know, somebody sitting in the right seat or watching your video. I think there's so much value there. And a lot of people take it for granted because I, I think I see a lot of guys kind of get hung up on, you know, their, you know, tr- track day king or whatever. And they, they don't take <laughs> um, really want to take any advice or ask for advice. Uh, but I think what you guys is just you guys have is such a cool tool. And like I love mine and I, I still want to learn more about, uh, you know, interpreting the data and then using it to my advantage. Um, and it's it's like. It's so you can do such a deep dive. Like last summer, we were going through data at uh, time trial nationals. That was like so much fun and like bouncing ideas off each other and stuff about how to take certain things and then kind of real, you know, tallying it up to what's happening with the data and what it's showing. It was cool. You're like, I here's your shift point. And, you know, this is your entry speed. I can tell right here, this is where you're really getting on the brakes. And um, I love too, where you can overlay it with two people. I think that was really neat because, uh, it's just, it's fun to see different, and you can like really tell different driving styles, which was, it was awesome. It was like somebody read a different language and I was loving it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's, um, it's really a lot of fun once you can get beyond the kind of analysis and the, and the software component and just really see what's happening. Cause then, then you get to start, you know, d- digging in and really asking, um, those fun questions and having those conversations where, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think about their driving and they think about how they can improve, but I don't think we're taught often enough early on, you know, if you're going to the racetrack and doing HPDs, I don't think we're taught how important it is to talk about it and collaborate yeah. and, and challenge your perspective and hear what other people hear, how other people explain things, because that's, you know, somebody might say something a certain way and, and that just like triggers something in your brain that makes you think about it differently. And all of a sudden, the next time you go through that corner, you're thinking about it, you know, you're, you're in a different place mentally. And that mental component is, we all know it's not about, you know, how quickly you can, you know, turn the steering wheel or hit the pedals, right? It's all about that mental aptitude and, and being able to be focused and, and looking where you need to look and those types of things. So digging into the data really, um, really helps you understand the kind of the psychology of what you're, you know, what you're doing and where your weak points are and, and what you need to focus on. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is, you know, I, I can't hide skids from you from the data. You can tell me right where I'm, I'm having too much fun. That's right. Like, you know, that that's might, oversteer. That might, that's right. That there's some oversteer. looks like you're having a little bit too much fun in turn six. <laughs> oh, man, Which you is got, uh, you got great car control. It's fun to, it's fun to look at. I, I remember looking at, like, yaw rate and then pretty consistently being able to see where you were uh, right at the limit of the tire. And then it's pretty easy to indicate – Oh, we might have just uh, stepped over the limit there. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Oh, uh, it's it it is. I watched way too many Tip Nadell videos back in the day, and uh, <laughs> I actually I, I got to meet him at uh, at Daytona, um, which was crazy. Uh, I don't have I told you about this. Uh, we we might have talked about it, but I've I've got a responsive Tiff Nadell story from recent experience. So let's let's hear it, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll respond with mine. I, I'm I'm gonna try really hard to get him on the podcast because he told me to shoot shoot him a message on Twitter and because uh, I so I was sitting I was sitting on pit lane with, I met up with uh, my friend Bozy and Bozy's like super cool dude does much stuff for like Road and Track Jalopnik I think he's done some stuff for Haggerty he's like, he's like the best follow on Twitter and we're sitting there before the race and um, and they had. Pit, you know, pit lane pretty much closed off unless you had a hard card. So, I'm, so three work, you know, I'm sitting there um, waiting um, on some, some, some folks and we were just chit chatting and I look over and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's Tiff Nadell. He was just hanging <laughs> out. Like he had, he had a, he had a beverage in his hand and some other <laughs> mates with him. And uh, so I ran over, Bozzy and I ran over all excited. And I was like, Oh my gosh, man, you're literally my hero. Like I'm, looked up all I've watched all of your videos, you know, from when I was a kid and, and you're sliding around and I was like, it's heavily influenced my driving style because <laughs> I just thought you were so cool. And I was like, I want to, I want to learn how to drive like that. And he was as salty and funny and the nicest guy as you can imagine him being. And he was like, cool. he's like, right, 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 right. You know, the whole time and he's like, <laughs> doing his, you know, how he's like really flamboyant with his hands and yeah. he's doing like, you know the, the cool like we you know the way him and J- jason plato would would play off each other yeah i was like i'm standing in jason plato's shoes right now talking about oversteer and skit doing big skids in a car oh, and man. he he's turns out he's a huge nascar fan and uh i, wow. I mean I, I would just be over the moon if i could like somehow talk him into like hey man maybe you've got some extra time on your hands could i catch you for 30 <laughs> minutes to talk to me on my podcast that has a car doing a skid in the logo and maybe he'll bite but he was so cool and i was like uh, bozy was you know we were both like oh my gosh this is like the most amazing thing ever because i mean he's original top gear guy like yeah he's so well known and i just think the world of him and it was uh it was really it was like one of those things like meet your heroes and he was just as cool as i can imagine that's awesome that's so cool to hear that he's just like a because he seems like just the kind of guy you want to hang out with, you know. Oh, when, yeah. when you're watching him on, you know, like Fifth Gear and and all the uh, all the other things that he's done. But I, I just read um, Jason Plato's book uh, that oh, nice. came out like a year ago. So it, it's called uh, How Not to Be a Professional Race Car Driver or How Not to I'll Make It a, Something Like That. It's, <laughs> it's it's really good. That dude is insane, man. He is a party animal. And he, he goes into detail in the book, and it's it's fantastic. I'll I'll mail it to you or something. You can read it. It's great. Uh, I love that. It's so good. He talks about um, 
he doesn't talk about Tiff a lot. It's mostly about how kind of how he ended up ended up becoming a professional race car driver. I mean, he 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 doesn't really let on that he's actually you know one he's really talented and he's worked really hard for a very long time to be an incredible driver. But also he's really yeah. keen on the marketing and and um, you know being able to sell himself and put together sponsorship. Uh, he's at, he's really really good at it and actually runs a marketing agency, but. Uh, he talked no about, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, he talked about Tiff, and, like, one of the only things that he said was, he's like, that guy is fearless. He said he will do the craziest things in a photo shoot in a car that anyone, like, anyone that I've ever met will do. He's like, I won't, he's like, he'll do stuff that I that I shy away from. And he's like, and I and I have something wrong with me, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think, well, and you, you, you look at the way, like, you know, the, the Brits, they, like, back it into the corner, and, like, Tiff, Tiff kind of does. Like, I mean, you look at some of the angles. I remember there was a video of him. It was a comparison test. I think it was like with the M3 and like an RS4. And he got the RS4 and he was pissed because he's like, oh, it's all wheel drive. It's just going to understeer, understeer. <laughs> and he just tra- like charged this corner like so, like so, just super hard, chucks this thing in there and pretty much just took it way extreme over the limit and was actually like sliding backwards <laughs> and somehow powered his way out of this corner. And like, cool. I think he, they ended up, you know, they're like tens, tens, and he just, you know, pulled this thing off. And I'm like, man, I mean, I'm sure you've got to, you've got to be really well respected by like a manufacturer to, for them to let you do that, you know? And, um, and he just, I mean, the guy, I love like the C63 videos, him like sliding around that car. That's all, those are always fun. Um, but he is just, yeah, he's, he's, my, he's my hero. And Plato <laughs> awesome. too. I mean, Plato is hilarious. I actually was at PRI a few years ago and was talking to the team dynamics, uh, the wheel guy, wheel guys. And they said that they had also said that Plato was like a huge, um, huge party, party animal. They were, uh, <laughs> I won those guys ever. I showed them my S2000 with Team Dynamics, and I was like, "This is my favorite wheel." I just had to come by and tell you guys that, and they're like, "Oh, that's great!" You know, they yeah. we we chatted it up, but um, but yeah, it's that's uh that that's funny. I got to read that now. Oh, you there? Um, I think I cut out for oh, a second. Yeah, I got you a lose me call, for a second. I, uh, I think I think that cut in. I'm gonna put my do not oh, disturb on. <laughs> oh no, you're good. You're good, but. um but yeah, so what? So you just sold a car? I did. I, I an, an old an, a rat a radwood, yes. um, a radwood type car. So what? What was you had a pretty good story behind yeah. that? I think. And uh, and and so so why'd you sell? What? what where's where did it go? That's a great question. So I I still have it as of this recording. Uh, it's actually the guy who bought okay. it is driving down from Connecticut uh, to pick it up uh, from me in Alabama on Saturday. So that's. Today's Thursday, oh, wow. so yeah, he's coming to get it. But it's a um, the 1988 Porsche 944 Turbo. Um, yeah, it's an it's an awesome car, uh, and I, and my my dad had had them as as a kid. He had two of them when I was really young, and uh, back when they had just kind of first depreciated, you know, so like mid mid late 90s, you know, 96 97, um, because they're the uh-huh. 80s cars. So at that point, you know, they had kind of fallen off the you know they're front engine Porsches, so they weren't really expensive as expensive as 911s to begin with but they had kind of depreciated and so he bought some yeah. and modified them and was really involved with like 
the local Porsche club group and did a bunch of SCCA stuff and raced them. So like as a kid to me, when I close my eyes and see a sports car, it's a 944. It's just like what it looks like, yeah. you know, that's the silhouette and everything. So I, I found this car a couple of years ago and bought it out of Florida. And it's apparently the only, and I verified this over time. It's the only car in its color for the 88 turbo S variant, which is like this crazy kind of homologation version of the race car that they built that they sold. Yeah. It's really cool. So they built these like, like Porsche does today, you know, they build the GT three cup car and the GT four club sport. This was basically the G the nine forty four turbo cup, which had like, you know, a lot more power and it had a factory installed roll cage and it had rolled fenders and adjustable shocks and all this stuff. And so the variant of the car that I had was basically the, the street version of that car. And they only sold them in 1988 and 1989. They kind of changed some of the, you know, some of the features and some of the like things that came with them as standard equipment. But the 88 cars are like 88 turbo S variants are like the most rare of all the 944s. Uh, and this car that I had was uh, the only one in its color. It was the only one in the color that they painted it in, in the U S. So it was, it was kind of a rare car. Dang. Yeah, it's a cool car. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah. So, and how long do you say you had? Uh, it? I daily drove it for about eighteen months, um, and uh, it's super high mileage. Had one hundred seventy thousand miles on it, which um, is pretty normal for nine forty fours. They they're really they're really durable. Um, and I just kind of got to the point where I needed something with more space um, to take my Apex Pro stuff to the track, <laughs> mostly. I can't, yeah. can't carry yeah. my easy up tent and my folding tables and my all my like, you know, driving gear and like all the stuff that I needed in the car. So, um, I bought a truck about a year ago. Um, and that's what I've been driving for the most part since then. But I just decided it was time to sell the 944. I was kind of looking at doing some bigger projects on it. And I realized I just wasn't really ready to budget for it. My wife and I are kind of looking at a house in the future. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to change. I'm going to pivot a little bit, do something else. Yeah. Let me let me tell you about buying a house. <laughs> I was ready to buy a, an iRacing rig or put one together, like something basic. And uh, our AC unit started making one of our AC units started making a little ruckus. And uh, man, I thought it was like I was reading up. I was like, oh, it's just like a bad bearing uh, in the <laughs> um, in the in like the fan, or whatever. And the guy like swapped that out, still made the noise. Then he said it was the compressor, and he's like, man, at this rate, you just need to replace it. And so pretty much I'll look at it as I just bought like a, a high-mileage Miata, <laughs> or I'm about to. It's coming in tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I was like, there goes the iRacing oh, So, yeah, yeah. so be, be prepared. Um, it wait. is nice to have our own garage and all that stuff. And it's been, it's been cool. It's nice. We, we've made, made this house a home, but um, – Man, some of the expenses that pop up, they're not kidding around. You need a little extra pocket change just for the house per yeah. year. Like um, owning a race I'm, car. I'm feeling that. It really is. At least you're like, you know, you're like, okay, well, this kind of increases the value. It's like you buy, you know, a new diff or put a sweet seat in your race car. Um, you're like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to get that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, you can't exactly part out a house, you know. No. Uh, but, uh <laughs> But yeah, and so and on that note, you you're in on a race car now, yeah. right? An E36 M3. Yeah, I am. And that's part of the reason I sold the 944 um, was because I 
I, I don't, I don't know. My, my wife's awesome. She's super awesome. She did not tell me I had to sell it. She actually loved the 944. She, she named it Judd Nelson, which is the name of the actor that plays that. one of the dudes in the breakfast club. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no way. Yeah. Awesome. It's, cool. it's very eighties uh, period. Correct. Um, so she, yeah, she loves the car. Uh, but once, when I decided, like when I had the opportunity to buy like you know, a share, if you will, in the, in the race car, it's an E36 M3 um, that's built for uh, the world racing league um, group, which is an endurance race series. Uh, I realized that I'd probably be better off selling the 944 and having a little bit of budget to go play race car again and get more involved with that. Cause it's been a couple of years since I've had a, a purposeful track car, but I really wanted to track the 944, but the amount of stuff I needed to do with yeah. it before I was comfortable doing that. Um, you know, it, it's just an old enough car and it, it's never really been tracked. It wasn't a track prepared car. And there are lots of things that like, yeah, little things that I, I just, you know, really wanted to be able to go through before I tracked it. And I wasn't quite ready to, to make that investment. So I decided to um, actually, the reason I was able to buy in on the race car was because I helped my dad sell his Superformance GT40. Um, that was actually my next question because, because <laughs> yeah. That I, I watched that car and bring a trailer, and because it was right, it was like right when or right after Ford versus yeah, Ferrari it was two out. weeks after after the movie was released, purposefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that car, um, yeah, that that thing was amazing. I mean, I think GT forties are like one of the one of the best designs as far as like you know they just they're just beautiful cars like the. The last gen four GT was awesome, and then the original four GT forty was just so cool. And uh, I'm super jelly that you've gotten to to play with one. And uh, yeah, tell 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 us oh, about man, that. It's car. a rowdy car. I, I wish you could have seen it and you know sat in it and driven it. Um, you know before before we sold it because my dad's very much so. Uh, he's a sharer, so like we have a parents have a lake house, and if anybody mentions the lake house or knows that we were there, they get invited, you know, it's like a open invitation. Yeah. So the car, that car was kind of the same deal. It was like pretty much all of my friends and all of my brother's friends, you know, anybody was welcome to, if they could drive a stick, they could drive it. Um, which I thought oh, was man, a cool, cool because it's just like a, was that always a good idea? Maybe not, but you know, it's, um, it, it turned a lot of people onto cars. Just like, that's the type of car that just being around it, can like you know it just totally changes your whole perspective on what a car is because uh, it's there's i mean it, it just it's 40 it, don't, it doesn't even come up to your waist you know it's like it's so low to the ground yeah it's just like it's very visceral um and it, it's it's pretty much like strapping a small block ford engine to your back you know pretty much is, yeah. <laughs> is how it feels to drive it well and, and it and it's crazy too because um and I've heard people talk about this before too. It's like the, like the Pantera because the Pantera had a 351 mm -hmm. Cleveland. Right. And it's just, it's funny how different it seems like those cars sound because of the configuration of the exhaust. And I think the, it seems like the C8 is kind of the same. The Corvette C8 is, is, is sort of along this, the same way. Like it's, it's still, I mean, it's obviously still sounds like, you know, an LS motor or my Camaro, you know, like my Camaro or an, or an older Corvette, but like it's, it does have a bit of a different tone to it. And I guess it's just, I'm no 
scientist or anything, but I, I assume it's just between, you know, something with the exhaust and how short it is and that they just sound so gnarly. And, uh, yeah, that car was super yeah. cool. Cause didn't, didn't you guys race? You had one that you raced in like vintage race before. Uh, we didn't race the GT 40. Uh, I, I have driven on the track, um, and, and which, which was a blast. Um, and then I've been traced some other stuff back in the day, but uh, I would have loved to have, have raced this car. I mean, it's it, that's what it was designed for. Driving it on the street was really a really kind of a shame, um, almost. But it, I mean, it is actually because the, it has so much sidewall on the tire. You know, it's a little bitty like fifteen inch wheel. Um, it rode yeah. pretty good on the road. Like it wasn't too stiff. Uh, and mid engine cars tend to be really really nice to drive uh, in that regard, like not too aggressive. You know, you don't have to make them really stiff uh, to work, but yeah, yeah the exhaust. So that on the mid engine on GT forties and Panteras, um, which is funny. My dad actually had a Pantera um, back in the, like probably the early eighties. And that was kind of his inspiration for the GT 40, I guess, like buying the Pantera at a time when he couldn't really afford, you know, he could barely afford to own the Pantera, but it was kind of like, the closest thing you could get to a GT40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, you yeah. fell in love with that. Yeah. I, oh, I know. And it, it's that, that, those cars look so good. And uh, I, now I, I've remembered something that I wanted to bring up was speaking of mid-engine cars and the way they feel. Um, I, I've got, I guess over the past few years, I've gotten lucky to do like, you know, the experience that like being an instructor at like the, the driving experiences thing. And some dude pitched me the keys to the five, 570S at AMP once. And I got to drive it. That was kind of, that was a really cool deal. But I remember back to Jason Plato, not <laughs> to switch gears uh, too quick, but I remember, I remember being so excited when the, um, when the MP4 was coming out, the new McLaren. And I remember like, scouring the internet for, you know, or, or videos would pop up like are coming soon. And it was a fifth gear episode. And I think it was Jason Plato drove the new McLaren. And I was like, Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and, uh, and he drove it. And he was so disappointed. It was like twitchy. And he was like, it's just not as beautiful to drive as a four five, eight. And, um, I, and then I, I had a few years later, I got to drive that five seventy, and it was a guy literally pitched me the keys and said, Hey, I'm never going to touch the limits of this car. And I just take him for him for a ride in my S 2000. And he's like, you know, take me around A and P and take my girlfriend for a ride. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And, uh, I remember I put the car, I put hit R T, you know, and everything. So it was like train, a track mode or race mode, everything. And then I remember pulling the door down and going, uh, how do you put this thing in reverse? And he started <laughs> laughing. He's like, you hit, when you hit R, you actually already put the car in reverse. And I was like, oh, sorry. But uh, <laughs> I remember I, I loved that car because it was just, it had like the best steering. Like GT3s, like my favorite car, but like the McLaren had the best steering. And then I got to drive um, an MP4 about, about a year later or six months later, back to back with a 458 and uh, working this event. And uh, I see what Jason Plato was on about. The, mm. the MP4 was a little, little bit of. It's a cool car, but it it just wasn't as good on the limit as like the 570, and especially the 458. Yeah. I was like the 458 feels like a 600 horsepower S2000. Oh, they're so good. Um, that 
that's ba- that's extremely balanced. And uh, but I I I just had that thought because yeah, I remember being just so disappointed because Jason Plato said that the MP4 <laughs> yeah. sucked, and uh, and then and then I think he drove like a 570 later and, or Tiff did or somebody and said how much fun it was. Maybe it was Chris Harrison. I was it was like yeah, it's a way way better car, but but uh, but yeah. So it's already go off on a tangent of, of, off of uh, the GC40 and mid engine cars, but I just had that thought. I was like, oh man, I, that's what I meant to mention about yeah. Jason Plato and and, and mid engine no, cars. That's good stuff. The 458's a great car. I've driven uh, somehow, I don't know how, I've driven two different ones and they are just, they are awesome. Right? That's a great car. Oh, they're just like, you know, NAV8, rev super high. Like the transmission's just, it's as good as any, you know, dual clutch out there. And, um, it's, it's, it's like, it moves, you know, I always, I always think of cars like, you know, driving a car on tracks, one thing, and then to drive one on the streets, another, and there are cars that I think are really good on track and are really balanced. And I think there's other cars that are really good on the street. They're terrible on the track. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common among, you know, guys who've driven quite a bit of stuff. But I think that, um, what makes, road car is so fun is like it's the wiggles it's not necessarily the, the big skids yeah. and but it's the the 458 would just seem like a car that you could like have a little fun with on the street but not get yourself in too much trouble like it just wanted to pivot and move around a little bit and i was just oh, it's just so yeah, much they're, fun they're great cars and the noise is fantastic and they're just connected yeah. they're, they're so they're they're not a handful to drive at all. They're just like so easy and exactly. you know that whole yeah. modern super the the modern supercars really become an anomaly. You know you can you can buy a, a modern Lamborghini or Ferrari and it's it's kind of like owning a Camry uh, other than paying more yeah. when you take it for service. Totally. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing. It, it, it's like uh, it, I think it's something that's really cool and like it's an awesome all the technology and the nannies associated with, with all that technology and makes you feel like a hero. But I do, um, I do miss like the, you know, I remember when I was a kid, like reading stuff or Tiff or Jerry Clarkson or somebody would drive something and it was like, you know, it, it or even Chris, or Chris Harris and like some of these supercars or things regarded as supercars needed your like full mm-hmm. attention and I, and now, like, I mean, you know, anybody can drive these things, you know, because they're all, you know, they're in a sense, they're, you know, they're got the, the best dual clutch out there and they're like, drive, you can put them in automatic and they're just yeah. easy. But, uh, I, so I think like, oh man, like, I wonder what it's like to drive like an F40. Like, I feel like, um, like out of everything I've driven, I know I always go back to this car, but I felt like my S2000 gave you just that little taste at the limit of like, what a, a really good sports car should feel like like mm. it's gonna kill you but if you stay a little bit ahead of it you're gonna be okay yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I like that um, i think that's part of the charm of s2000s too and why they were so popular i mean i know the the suspension on them was kind of um i think they, they changed it in the second generation to make it a little less yep. snappy um, but yep. yeah I, I agree with you man it's like the you know in the days of like when we were both you know probably at the age where we were really like getting into cars and looking at cool stuff. It was like the McLaren F1 or the, you know, the Ferrari F40 was probably just a little before our time, but those were the kind of things I remember looking at being like, that's a supercar and driving any of those cars is like a, it's a complete commitment. And if you get a downshift wrong, you know, you could pitch it into the wall on on the street or the track. 
and th- that doesn't exist yeah, anymore. No, totally. Yeah, I think like the Career GT was probably one of the one of the last mm-hmm. ones of those cars, you yeah. know. But I, I do love the when when you can turn everything off, the cars are are, are there, yeah. right? Like I remember I, I I drove around. Was it is it the is it Malatino? I'm probably saying this wrong, but the little switch gear on the steering wheel in the Ferrari. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. I, I know Porsches really I, well because I've wor- worked for Porsche for a while, but I don't, yeah. I don't know much about Ferraris. I, I, I remember I was like sliding one around. There was like, we had this little course set up and I was driving the 458 and I had it in like a race mode and it was good. It like lets you play a little bit and I remember being like, ah, screw it. And I just like reached up there like they always do in the, the videos and <laughs> cranked it all the way to the right and held it and it like beep beeped or whatever at me and I was like, oh man, this is how this car should feel and it was like moving around. I was like, oh, That's this is awesome. so good. But, man. Um, oh, it's Dude, so I, while we were talking, but, um, not, not to interrupt you, if you have a thought, I've, I found a no. video of the GT40 revving. Um, and I, oh, I don't know nice. if it'll work with the way we're recording this, but you want me to try to play it real quick? Um, oh, so let's, it's, do it's a, let's do it. Because I think I've heard this video because it was on Bring yeah, a Trailer. Yeah, it was on Bring a Trailer. It's, um, so yeah. this is a, it's a 302 base, uh, you know, Ford small block V8 um, and punched out to a 347. So it's a stroker. Um, and it's got about 8,500 RPM of valve train on the car, like the cams and the, the – <laughs> motor will do it it's restricted to 6300 but which i always thought was a was a buzzkill but um about 500 horsepower uh but this is yeah like you pointed out the exhaust on these they call them bundle of snakes exhausts and it's because all the part of the reason that makes it sound the way it does is all the it's not a it's not a flat plane crank v8 but it kind of sounds like it a little bit because it all the exhaust lengths of the headers and uh the primaries and the secondaries they're matched so all the the reason the exhaust kind of wraps around itself is because the exhaust coming out of the, you know, number eight cylinder up against the firewall is a lot longer than the one coming off the number, you know, four cylinder right closer to the back of the car. So yeah. they actually wrap around so that they all end up being equal length. So when the exhaust basically gets to the, you know, point where they're all collected in the collector, um, that's yeah. what creates the sound. Like most, you know, most cars that most V8s don't have equal length exhaust set up so that's kind of what's fancy about it i guess (laughs) see if we can get some noise here so awesome yeah let's see um one of the clips andrew mentioned and here's a quick drive-by of that gt40 was audio okay on that got it Uh uh-huh no, they go through. We're not. We can edit it out, and I'll um, maybe yeah, we can send, like, send me the clip or something. And I can. Uh, yeah, I've just been sitting we'll here for thirty up, seconds right? listening. Yeah. To that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I tell you what, I will do. I will post. Uh, I'll post to you on on the full sweep Instagram. I've got some video clips of me driving around in the uh, the four five eight and the uh, MP four. And it's those those cars make two completely different noises, which I think is kind of cool. I just I think it's so cool how the um, the McLarens feel kind of alien, yeah. and they sound sort of alien and look <laughs> alien all at the same time. Um, just it's, it's, it's such a cool like flavor. But and on that note, I mean, what what do you think? What do you think the best thing you've mm. driven is though? Because I think I bet a GT40 on like bias wise would probably yeah. be like it's, the it's pretty thing rowdy ever that's for sure, but. 
Yeah. But like what what what's the uh what's the one thing you go like what's your go to that you've actually driven because you've got to drive some pretty awesome stuff like working for Porsche a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've been here and there. really fortunate, you know, between between working for Porsche for you know basically two and a half years nonstop out at, at uh Barber Motorsports Park and then also doing a lot of coaching and having customers that have awesome cars that let me drive cool stuff. Um I've been pretty privileged to drive all sorts of interesting uh interesting things you know it really i mean it, it honestly i have to pick like different classes or like category of cars because it's it's so hard to choose yeah. um yeah no i i hear you like i i took like my like I, like for example like i i say like you know as far as like affordable like fun like at the limit like the the s2000 is like hard to beat and I think that, like, for affordable performance, like the Camaro, I think is about as good as it gets. But then you can just go into a different echelons, right? Like, I think the steering on a the the uh, hydraulic steering on a McLaren is mm. pretty. It's it's just the best, I think. And then, but as far as like overall car, it's just like hard to beat, like a GT3. I just think, you know, and for put together and it just feels solid. Like it's yeah. just the best car, but. uh and then as far as like race cars, like the old Formula Ford we've got is just, it's just got, yeah. it's just so much. It's hard to be an open really wheel car, but that's kind of my examples, but yeah. So, but what, what, what's yours? What, what do you, what, so let's hear the, yes, uh, I guess race car would be a category in a purebred race cars that are only on the track and then, you know, kind of your hybrid race car, track car, uh, and then maybe just like a street car, you know, it could be SUV or truck or anything. So those kind of different three areas and would be the be one the ones I would I guess kind of um would come to mind. But for race cars, our um our E thirty six M three is pretty good. A lot of fun. It does everything well. It's not the most exciting car, but I really, really enjoy uh driving it. It's just a stock power level E thirty six M three with a wing and a splitter. Um it's definitely not the most exciting yeah. race car that I've driven. I've um driven a ton of different of different race cars uh probably the most fun the g a lot of fun it's around a lot but it's it's really a handful to drive fast like no power steering um you've got like a formula car style steering rack in it but a lot more so imagine taking like the formula ford and just putting like twice the amount of tire under it and how much the steering effort would increase you know it's like it's really really hard to steer the thing and the pedals are all really there's no power assist on any of on the brake pedal. Um, it's it's a handful shift after. Um, and it and it was fun. It, it was probably not as fun as the uh, the late model stock car that I had for a while. It's probably my favorite. Oh yes, we we gotta we gotta talk about that because that that was on my list of what Andrew Reigns has driven <laughs> in the past. Yeah, um, man. The the stock car because I was. Because I've always thought like a NASCAR race at Road Atlanta would just be amazing, and you've kind of done that. In a, yeah, got a definitely taste. a taste. You know, my my car had probably probably four hundred wheel horsepower, uh, but it's the same you know same style car as a as a NASCAR kind of Cup car with your kind of just deal, um, you know, and, you know roll cage and and frame and then solid rear axle. Um, with a quick change, Tiger quick change rear end in it. And, um, you know, not 
I love that it's yeah. called a tiger. The tiger. tiger quick change. Hey, can we get another well then yeah. tiger quick that's quick change right. Right. Either, either on a quartermaster or a tiger? <laughs> the Panther let out on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what happened? <laughs> Just they're all named after big cats. Uh, uh, it's it's oh, awesome. It's like driving one of those cars is like driving a cartoon if you come from a sports car. Um, you know, if you grow up racing open you know, if you grow up racing circle track stuff and and um, you know, solid rear axle style, you know, stock bar come from a you know, a, a independent suspension, you know, sophisticated kind of purpose-built sports car and you hop in a stock car, it's like, how far back in time did I just go? You know, it's a, a totally different animal. Yeah. Well, they, they, the, the rear ends lock up kind of interesting. It, like, it's, they, how do they lock up? Because I've heard, um, you know, like guys driving on road courses and, there's something with the on-off throttle, I guess, with the way they they go into like full lock mode that makes them kind of a handful. Um, from what from my version, yeah, that, I had a right? limited slip in mine actually. Um, had a Torsen Gleason uh, diff that that worked really good, um, but they they do lock pretty aggressively off throttle. So like the the diff, yeah, the diff's usually pretty aggressive. Um, so they they don't take kindly to a whole lot of uh, trail braking, like we you know kind of teach it in the hbde world so you kind of have to release the brake pedal sooner than you do in most sports cars and that's a combination of the rear end and the, the tire compound being a higher air volume you know usually a bias ply on a lot of the older my car had bias plies on it um you know the, the time to really be gained and you would have really enjoyed it the place that you would find time on the track and like the apex out and getting the full so and was was uh, was really cool and the car was always sliding because the tires is so big on those things it's just like big sidewall so the sidewall yeah. would tuck under when you went to throttle and the car would feel like you were like drifting essentially like power sliding with a lot of angle but it was just the tire tucking up under the wheel so you kind of had to keep you had to it was weird Dang, you, you wanted cool. to counter steer but as soon as you counter steered it was unnecessary and you'd start the car, you'd start scrubbing speed. But if you kept your hands straight and just let the tire slip yeah. up under the, the wheel and the rear, it, it would just hook up and go wild. Yeah. I've, I've kind of learned that in, in like, uh, like a few different scenarios, it, you know, always keeping the nose pointed kind of, I always, I always tell people like, if you're going to go out and try to do some skids, always just keep the nose pointed in the right direction or else you're in big trouble. And it seems like you're going for a lap. And, like, I remember this on the S2000 just because, you know, I ran street tires. Here's your ran RS4s. And um, it seemed like that car would always do, like, four-wheel drifts really well. And that was, like, the fastest on that tire, like, you know, with no aero. It seemed like the car performed pretty well with keeping just keeping it on that razor edge limit, which usually meant a little bit of a skid. Um, and I've heard from my sources that the NASCAR guys like um, the ZL1 1LE to practice road course stuff in because it, it must feel, it feels pretty similar to the cup car. I guess it's more like the mass of the machine and the power. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I, I would love to one day get the opportunity to drive um, something like that, especially uh, anything that you say can go faster with a skid. I'm yeah, <laughs> uh, I think my, I lost connection for a second. I missed a little bit of that, but I think I got the gist of it. 
Yeah, I think I, I think it. I don't know if it's the um, might be my internet connection here hasn't been too hot, so that could be that could be a piece gotcha. of it. It sounded like you were talking about, uh, but uh, uh, the NASCAR Cup cars at the end. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So the the guy the guys evidently the the Cup guys prefer the Chevy guys at least prefer mm. the Z01 1LE for um, for testing on road courses mm. just because like the yeah. mass of the car. And uh, I've only driven one. I drove Fred uh, Fred's car. You, you know? Do you know Fred? Fred? I prob- Fred I probably do. He's a Jay Zilla guy. Yeah, he's he's just bought an E30 and stuff, and um, it's uh, he, he. I took him out around Charlotte or Speedway in his Z01 LE, and man, that car's a beast. I mean, I I feel like I get pretty pretty close to the the razor edge yeah. of my car, you know, and uh, testing what it can do. You know, <laughs> I'm a little bit limited by tire because uh, you know I run RS4s, but um, you know I ran his car. I think he was on those, those stock Goodyears, and I mean passenger in the seat taking it easy in the banking um that car was a second quicker than my ss1 elite which i was pretty blown away by because i I felt like i was driving like seven tenths um and uh i actually entered (laughs) too fast in the nascar three with fred in the passenger seat we couldn't turn the wheel because of the weight which is pretty funny um but that the, the both that chassis just continues to to blow yeah, me away with how capable it is. Some anger, but in, um, in a, but in any of the modern Camaro chassis actually. Oh man, we gotta get. I gotta need to toss you the keys to mine. I've heard they're awesome. You you'd love it. It's it's yeah they they're big but they dance. It's um it's just a it's crazy and I'm kicking. We've talked about it. But I'm kicking myself because I forgot my. Pelican case that had my Apex Pro in it. The last track event I, I got to squeeze out and I actually set a new PB at uh, NCM. And man, I, I can imagine that's what that car feels like on buy splice because I was sliding around everywhere because um, the tires were heat cycled out and about nine events deep and it was cold. And um, yeah, they, it just it's such a capable car and it's so fun when you turn everything off. I mean, the nannies are cool because they they do seem to help you quite a bit, but I feel like it still pulls the car, holds the car back for like ultimate lap times. Um, but uh, yeah, the car's a ton of fun. So it's so a switching gears. What is, what's the worst, the worst car? car? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, that's a hard one. Cause I, I don't, I definitely don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, I have I have driven some stuff that's not so good, you know. Probably from a just general um, being a car standpoint, my first race car was a 1974 Alfa Romeo GTV, and uh, when when it was good, it was fun okay. to drive, really fun to drive. Made an awesome noise. It handled really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it had pretty good brakes. Uh, it ran Hoosier slicks. So it had a ton of grip. But when it wasn't working right, it was a nightmare. It was like always blowing a head gasket. Um, you know, something was always going wrong. I had to double clutch downshift the first time I had it on the track, like literally pushing the clutch in to pull it out of gear and then revving the engine in neutral, pushing the clutch in, you know, like, <laughs> so you're pushing the clutch twice every time you go down. The oh, gear. Man. So it, generally it was, it was pretty bad just at like being a car. Uh, and then also equally as bad was a, had some Volkswagens for a little while that we raced in world challenge. Uh, and they were also kind of the same yeah. thing when they were on, they were wicked fast. They had 
we had the most straight line speed of any of the cars in our class at the time, but there was, they were just always flying apart. It was like wheel bearings would only last a whole weekend, like uh, maybe six hours of track time. Wow. Bearings would just start coming apart and you'd just feel the thing kind of flop over and the rear would start chattering and you'd know the rear wheel bearing was on and you'd have to come in and, um, that was happening constantly. Also had the shocks, uh, had not had gas shocks in it, like really high end. Um, and they needed to be rebuilt. And so they would leak and come up with nitrogen, you know, and you pump like 180 uh-huh. PSI of gas in there. And by the end of the race, a 40 minute world challenge race at the time, um, they would be down to like 40 PSI, which for a shock is like nothing. So they Holy basically crap. you would lose dampening as the race went on. You would, you would start off with like a well-damped car out of control. And, and then as the race went, you would lose, you know, you basically started just riding on the spring after they lost a certain amount of pressure. So that was, that was pretty bad. And those were both of my, those were, those were both my, was responsible for So I'll, I'll put that on me. Holy crap. Well, and then, and then you drove an Acura or not an Acura and a Honda Accord in the world challenge. And that car was pretty rad. Yeah, it was fun. Um, tell, tell, tell us about tell us about that car because I think Jack did Jack Baruth end up buying that car. Oh, you there? Oh yeah, may have lost me for yeah, a second. Yeah, so uh, Jack Baruth ended up buying that he's, car. Uh, you know, he wrote it when he was with Road and Track. He wrote a cool article where he went and, and ended up on Dre's at Watkins Glen. On that was a that was a clean sheet build. Like I bought a twenty thousand mile um, Honda Accord, um, a two thousand thirteen. So the the natural question is why a Honda Accord <laughs> for a yeah for a professional racing yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the um, there's a Honda plant here in in Alabama, like from where I live. All the V six, other than the build all the SUVs and the minivans and the the Ridgeline. They had actually homologated, yeah. meaning they like built the first Accord race car and basically went through the process of documenting everything to make it a challenge legal, you know, professional racing legal car. And so they basically gave me their blueprint for building the car and, um, you know, helped me out with a lot of resources. And, you know, we had to work really hard to make it happen, but they kind of, I kind of was a racing program with those Volkswagens I was talking about when I first got into pro racing, but the guys at, at Honda really helped me turn it into actually being able to do it for a little while. So the, the Accord was a much better car than the Volkswagens because it was, it was very durable. <laughs> it held together really well. Yeah. yeah I can All imagine. the three stuff was great. I, I really, I, I really like the way those cars look too. I think that they'd be like a really fun, like really nice daily, like one of those is the six speed, but I always thought that car was really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I remember like seeing that, that, the whole story. And then I was like, Oh man, like Andrew, like raced that thing in the world challenge and just thinking how awesome, um, that was. And, but, uh, but yeah, I, and, and also before we get to, I guess I'm, I'm going to have to wrap up here in like <laughs> about 10 minutes. Cause I got to get to a dinner, um, uh, been quarantined with my quarantining with my brother and his family. Um, but, yeah. What, so what else do the folks need to know about Apex Pro? You know, you're a partner of the podcast. Um, so if, if any of you guys are at a, at a track event and you want to try out an Apex Pro, um, I've got an extra spare one on me. 
And Andrew is like the ultimate resource for how to maximize um, the use of, of this super cool tool. And uh, yeah, tell the folks what else they need to know about, about Apex Pro. I know you guys just got new lap timer plus, which I'm dying to use. And uh, I hope at the, the next track event, which I'm hoping is CMP um, next month, um, I'll, be, I'll be utilizing that tool. Um, to, but yeah, tell yeah, the guy, what, tell, I, tell everybody I out here what they need We're, to do. Uh, so Apex is a, uh, it's a motorsports um, data acquisition product, but it's, a, it's an app-connected device that really the goal is to you know, kind of take what exists out there in the data acquisition world. It's, it's kind of a complicated, very sophisticated software kind of space and we're trying to just make it simpler so make data simpler to look at simpler to understand yeah what you see in it and therefore make it more fun and more interactive so something that just like we talked about kind of in the opening how mm -hmm. you you know i was telling you what i was seeing like driving style wise almost and we were really taking this objective um, yeah you know data that we were seeing and and like being able to know what was happening very specifically and then talk about it subjectively and go, well, what if I did this a little differently and thought about this different? And that's, what's really, really powerful for your driving. And we're just trying yeah. to kind of get the message out there that you don't have to be a data analyst. You don't have to be super into going through thousands and thousands of data points to, to analyze your data and understand what you need to do. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit simpler than that. Um, and most 90% of the time, it's a little bit simpler than that, but it just requires knowing how to look at it. And that's what we're trying to do, trying to help with that. Yeah. Man, I, and I, I can tell you, it. I've, I've got two actually in front of me here. Um, and it, they're just an awesome tool. And I, I, love, um, I love how, like, durable it feels. I mean, this thing is, it is a chunk. Um, and it's just, it's, it's super easy to use. It's, it's easy to read. And um, the lap timer plus feature, I think, is going to be huge because um, I think that was the one thing I was longing for. And I, I, I remember we had talked, and it was you're like, <laughs> "This is it's it's in it's you know it's in the pipeline. It's going to be out there soon." And um, I, I'm just really excited I, to use it. Are you going to be at CMP? Uh, I don't next think month? I'm going to for the, for, the, as of the now. Time trial we'll, we'll see if things change, and that's the only track event going on. But. Um, I, I wish I could be. I, I heard they're going to be repaving that track before too long as well, sometime in the next year. So that's really looking forward to that because yeah. that's a super yeah, yeah. fun layout. It's a great, it's a great track. It really is. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed down there. I've, I haven't been to CMP too many times. I think I've only got maybe done maybe two um, two events there, and then I rented the skin pad once, which was a <laughs> lot of fun and uh, inspired the logo. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a neat track. It does chew tires like crazy, but it's, it's like many of those older racetracks that are just, they need a little TLC and, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get down there cause you know, Gabby's got some, my fiance has family in South Carolina. Um, oh, and cool. we might make a little, little holiday trip out of the whole thing, but, uh, but yeah, so, so speaking of just schedules, when do you think the next time, uh, yeah, the magic question on, right uh, now. Be, at a track uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, 
it's 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 wild i mean i think track events are unique yeah. because we kind of can social distance uh, but, you know uh, i really don't yeah, know right where, now. where do you think I'm, you'll uh, be next june is a pretty stacked month for me uh originally with track events so i'm probably going to be at uh at barber two or three times for uh, uh-huh. just track it and then the porsche club group here um i'm teaching the novice classroom for them so i'll be there doing that uh and then might cool. be going to Daytona to race WRL in June as well. So it's going to be real busy. So that's June looks like a pretty stacked, pretty stacked okay. month. Uh, missed, missed out on a bunch of cool stuff that was going to be happening in March and April. But, um, you know, that's how it goes with, with all this greater world issues going on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's, it, it, everybody's definitely has had to adapt and um, I hope, I hope it's all going to ease here soon because uh, I know I'm I'm dying to get back out there and have missed uh, some fun fun events, but uh, but you know we'll be back. I think there's going to be ample track time available after June. Um, I've got some track night events uh, on my schedule for June, and then you know some Jay Zill stuff, and uh, I think I think it'll end up being a being a good year. I know I saw an email today from the SCCA saying um, they're looking at some some options to fulfill the, uh, the road Atlanta event they were going to have. I think it's, it would have been next weekend or weekend after, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to get back out. And I think, um, I had thought about buying a really nice set of, uh, you know, <laughs> like rivals or something this year, but I think my, you know, mindset of doing a bunch of time trial events <laughs> is, is probably out of the question and more, probably just more fun stuff. So I'll probably go back to some RS4s and, Time Trial Nationals is actually the same oh, weekend yeah. as our rescheduled wedding because of COVID. Um, so I'll be missing that. But, uh, but you know, I'm still going to go out and have some fun, and I'm excited. I've actually – I don't know if you've heard of the uh, DSC guys. Yeah, yeah the, They do the controllers for the Magna Ride. So I'm, I'm, so I'm going to be working with those guys too and um, be giving them some data. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to have great partners, um, you know, at the start of this podcast, you know, Apex Pro and – and and DSC yeah. and um hopefully they have some more as time goes on. But um Absolutely. Fun, man. but they're both data driven. That's what's we're, cool. We're it's excited like, to be involved. I, I appreciate the opportunity. But, uh, and, yeah, for, man, for folks listening that I know I kind of gave the little like elevator pitch about Apex Pro, but if you um if you want to reach out to us and just you know ask questions if you're curious about um data, uh you want to know more about your specific application, what car you're running, what your kind of goals are. Um, I like, we, we do a lot of, um, you know, direct communication with customers and kind of consult on what the best options are. Um, and, you know, sometimes our product's not the best for people. It, it just depends. Uh, but, but there's definitely a lot of applications that it works extremely well for. And, and we do not hesitate to communicate directly with people and kind of foster a sense of community. So if you're out there listening, going, I want to learn more about data, but I don't know where to go. Even if you're using another product, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to, happy to talk to you. Yeah, I think, I think that's just awesome. And um, it's just, it's just cool. Cause I think you guys are very open. And um, I think, I think that a lot of people get to the point, you know, where, you know, it's just for fun. But then at the end of the day, like everybody says, don't chase lap times, but everybody wants to improve and have fun. And it, it is, I think it's fun to chase, chase that little extra time. And, um, and I think too, you get a better sense of what the pro guys that you're watching are digesting. And I think it, it yields, a um, even more respect for those folks. But, 
Um, appreciate you coming on <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be a reoccurring guest yeah. and hopefully we that get to do great. one of these. I'll drink some of that whiskey with you. That sounds uh, see, awesome. So, Bur- bourbon, um, you're in Kentucky. Yeah. Bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, that's right. We'll, I'll bring, I'll bring some Kentucky bourbon and, uh, after a long hot day at the track, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll kick I back and uh, sip on some bourbon great. and talk about some cars. Yeah, man. Well, until yeah, next time, buddy, you. and uh, hope you stay safe, Thanks, and Patrick. we'll talk soon. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Yeah, man.